0: good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the green dragon podcast my name is kylie and i'm joined with me by matt hello david greetings and jeremy hello everyone and it's- i think this is the first time i've done this and it is weird it's weird I like not it. doing
1: the intro, That's, it feels really strange The strangest Why? part
2: is you don't get that applause you always expected when you first did it Like I just always imagine that people give you this, this round of applause like
1: you do for a talk show or something They
2: don't do it, it doesn't happen
1: It always happens in my head when I in- introduce this It's
0: channel. because we don't have a neon applause sign ta- over, over the table It's also the time
3: lag built into the medium It's sort of by the time they applaud you've missed it it's like, ah, Moving
0: on moving on today we have a keep it secret keep it safe and our topic today is cavalry we've had requests for this in the past and it was so just, many requests just kind of sitting there i'm like what can we do today since it's been a while since we've been at this I don't why don't we do cav so we're doing cav cavalry it is what are we covering so, first we'll, we'll start off with their strengths i think is the best way to start so how to use cavalry what cavalry you can get out of cavalry in your force and the best way to gain advantages from them i think the best place to start is the biggest thing cavalry provides you, and that's mobility. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on cavalry and moving around really fast across the table?
1: The great thing about cavalry is they're quick. You can get where you need to go as quickly as possible. You can fly across the board. Well, not literally, because then you'd be using a flying model. But you can hoof your way across the board. Literally, hoof. Unless you've got horses. paws on your cavalry. Some <laughs> cavalry have yep. paws. Oh, that's true wags have paws not hooves very good point david you can paw slash hoof slash whatever camels have your way across the board and get to your objective or your opponent
2: except if you've got some dense terrain with some some woods and things then they're not so mobile but on the open terrain and on water they love it they're fast as anything good luck running after them while they're, they're chasing through a stream
1: great point on the stream yes i've been caught out by that more than once I think the best way to sum up the movement
3: advantage of cavalry is whatever it was you're planning on doing it, on doing, you can now do it faster. So if you were going to close with the enemy through shooting, it'll now take you half the time. If you were going to stay out of the enemy's charge range while shooting them, you can now do that almost twice as well. So whatever it was you were going to do, you can now do more of it.
1: Yeah, mobility can't really be understated in the game that we play. It's probably the most important aspect, to be honest, especially, obviously, early game Early game, getting into the right positions where you're at an advantage. Cavalry can do this really well and and that's probably the best aspect about them. Potentially,
2: you're choosing where the fights happens and when it happens and that's massive because if you're not ready to fight, don't fight. If you're ready, let's go.
0: I agree with both those points. I think the biggest thing that I found with mobility is it allows you to get behind your opponent and change the battle lines. And because cavalry is so fast, you can really catch your opponent pretty much on the back foot, especially if they're trying to engage your shield wall and you've got a shield wall and you're like towing and throwing in position. And then suddenly you throw a massive cavalry charge into their flank or you're suddenly behind them and it can just ruin someone's day.
3: Especially if your opponent doesn't think about the difference in move speed. So if they've looked at the field and gone uh, about halfway, that's where I'm going to make my stand. I'm going to move forwards. I'm going to get to there. And then suddenly the cavalry is upon them. Like if an opponent has. Had this happen to them before, they can go, okay, I've only got two turns of movement before they get to me. I need to be somewhere defensive by then. But if you can catch them in the open, you can just, yeah, demolish them.
1: Yeah, against Cavalry, you you definitely need to be thinking a couple of turns ahead, don't you? Because you need to keep track of where your opponent could potentially be at that point.
0: Even once, even just the immediate turn ahead because the amount of times that a march from cavalry in particular can catch you off because that extra five inches is a big deal. Like that's as far as a dwarf can move and you can either hoof it and get three turns ahead of a goblin or a dwarf army or you could get one or two turns ahead of a standard infantry army and it can really, really mess with your opponent. You could think you might not be in range and the next turn selling you're in range because a march caught you off guard.
3: Well, there's always the danger of winning priority. I win priority, I move. If the opponent wins priority next turn, they've got 20 inches to play with. That, like, if I'm, my army is 19 inches away from them, I'm in charge range now. Because they move, they win the roll-off, they move again.
1: Yeah, priority plays a massive effect on cavalry arms. Mm.
0: And that's mostly to do with the charge bonus that cavalry gets. So the biggest thing about ch- cavalry in combat is their charge bonuses. So the knockdown and the extra attack. Why is this so important? Matt.
1: It, it gives you that hitting power in your army. It gives you that ability to say, I, I can take on your infantry one-on-one and I can pick which ones I want to fight and I can take out a certain amount of models before you really, your opponent really gets a chance to pick any fights to be able to engage you.
3: I would say it's... Two special rules, so it gives you two extra boosts. The extra attack is pretty much the portable spearman, because until recently, they didn't get spears. They didn't need spears. They had a spear built into their horse. Go in, more dice. More dice improves your chances of winning. But the knockdown, it's simply a pick a model. It's trapped. Pick the next model. It's trapped as well. Why? Did we maneuver better? No, we're cavalry. We auto-trap. And I believe we have a tagline that talks about the power of auto-trapping. So stay tuned for that
2: later.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. You can you can trap an opponent that has nothing around them with yes. with the cavalry essentially.
2: Yeah, it makes the wounding of a model almost trivial. Like once you've won the fight, and I know playing against cavalry, you look at it as like, okay, that model's just lost to cavalry. It's probably dead. It's just put it away, throw it away now. Okay, you've got four dice or eight dice or six dice or some uh, some amount that's I'm um, probably not going to survive against. Maybe you've got a lance. I'm in trouble.
1: And then even if you do survive, if you lose priority next turn, you're still on the ground anyway. And then the infantry can walk in and lay into you with a boot.
0: Now, I've heard a lot of players come up to me and say, I'm, to- I'm useless with cavalry. I'm totally crap with and They always die. Why do you think this is? Why do you think that people always have such a bad time with cavalry when they're first starting? Who wants to go first?
1: I, I think the issue is mostly a misunderstanding of the power of cavalry. They think you can just charge straight in and yeah, you've got the extra attacks and you've got the knockdown, so You're going to kill a lot of stuff. But at the, at the end of the day, if your opponent manages to survive that first turn with minimal losses, they are then at a massive advantage on the next turn because they are going to have more models than you because cavalry tend to be more expensive than infantry and they're going to outnumber you, potentially trap you and you don't have those spears probably because you, you're expecting the spears to be that extra attack on the charge.
2: Yeah, sometimes the cavalry players bite off more than they can chew. They think, Okay, I'm gonna hit this this shield wall really fast. I'm gonna knock it out and then I'm gonna move on. And they, they end up going for even fights. And if you're doing even fights with cavalry, you're gonna be in a bit of trouble because you win half of them, you lose half of them. Yes, you'll do damage, but you're looking at probably double the amount of warriors against you for next turn, and then you might not get the charge off again.
3: Dead. The other thing is your bases are a good deal bigger than the standard infantry base. So if you go straight into their sh- shield wall, you're probably fighting one-on-one because you're charging, they've got a spearman, so you're at two or a hacks apiece. It's fairly balanced, as Jeremy said, that's not brilliant. Next turn, they can fit two models into every one of your cavalry, and they've got their spears. So if they charge you, it's now four dice to one, you're in for a world of hurt. So whatever you're charging needs to die that turn, or
0: otherwise, you're pretty well stuck. So, from what, it, from what I understand from you guys saying, it's, it comes down to a lot to the charge, making your charges count. So, how do you guys get a good charge off? What is the rule of thumb for a charge?
1: I, I think to maximize it, what you really need to do is you need infantry support as well. I, I think that's actually really important. Being able to pick certain models that you go, yes... I'm sending a cavalry model into this one infantry model. I'm going to kill this one infantry model. And then I've got support with the rest of my army around it. I I think that's the major place that people playing cavalry fall down in. They don't don't understand. They think, I'm just going to send all my cavalry forward. I'm going to send all of them into combat. I'm going to knock out this model, this model, this model, this model. And then the next turn, yeah, you're trapped and surrounded with your cavalry. And your infantry infantry might not be in the right place to support them. So basically what you're saying is players aren't following through. Yeah, yeah. They're they're going in with one big hit and then they stall and then they die. I think
3: it's also um, the cavalry move faster. So it tends to arrive at the enemy position first. But I won't generally commit my cavalry until the infantry is already engaged. The shield walls are locked. Then I send them round and... Then they can start killing spearmen, they can start killing banners. If the enemy pulls people out of the shield wall to deal with my cavalry, which they have to do because I've got cavalry behind them, then my shield wall punches straight through the front of theirs because they've had to pull models out. So I wait until the enemy is committed to doing something, so then they can't respond to the cavalry.
2: One of the strengths of cavalry is the amount of misdirection you can create when you're playing. So with a cavalry army, you often don't know where the actual attack's coming from or where the strength's coming from. And that's a huge strength. And people often give that up. What they do is they send their cavalry straight forward. They say, well, I can be in combat really quickly. And the problem with that is that there's no misdirection. The, the enemy gets time to set up and they know that you're coming from there. It's much better to look like you're going your direction and then pull back and give your infantry time to go and, and be nearby. Or if you if you don't have any infantry, you need to make sure you find a way to split up your opponent so that you end up taking on small groups of them. So whether that's with your archery, whether that's with your maneuvering, or whether that's with something else, you, you've got to really make sure that you've, you, you're attacking with an advantage, and that's where the movement comes in. It's not getting to the
1: enemy faster, it's getting to the place you need to be faster. So so to summarize, I think cavalry directly against a shield wall, not going to have a great time. Use them to misdirect, use them to hit specific targets. Using to grab objectives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you've got only a, a couple of cavalry in your army... Those are obviously perfect objective holders. It's the concept of deception, no deception. If the enemy is ready for them,
3: don't send them in. Go off, do something else, either create an opportunity or just wait for an opportunity if you've got the time.
0: One thing I've heard a lot of players um, talk about is a lot with cavalry in particular is always wait to charge on a turn when you don't have priority. So your opponent moves first and then you charge in guaranteed to not get any counter charges. I actually feel that you should take this one step further and I think you should always charge where your opponent can't counter charge and this can happen even when you do have priority because if you have priority you can go in hit quickly and then get out in the next turns if they don't have anything that is available because of your misdirection you're moving them out of position you can charge on a turn you have priority you just need to make sure that you charge in such a way or use your other supporting pieces in your army to prevent a counter charge. And I think that is the key here, making sure that your charges hit can't be countered and get as much damage out of them as possible.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's a natural progression on what Jeremy was talking about with making sure you, you're splitting your, army up, your opponent's army up and making sure that, that they're not going to be able to you know, defend as easily as they could.
3: And if the enemy has an area where they have might and an area where they do not have might, you charge the area where the enemy does not have might. Because then even if you lose priority next turn, you can still either pull out or you can keep charging depending on how the power balance is at that time.
0: Mm, I always like to assume that when I'm using cavalry and I'm charging into a situation and my opponent has my... I always assume I'm going to lose that roll-off. So I'm planning ahead. Okay, what happens if I lose the roll-off next turn? So I have something set in place for when, you know, everything goes wrong and suddenly my cavalry gets countercharged. I have a way to then bail myself out. Now, Ellie, you guys mentioned uh, having infantry with your cavalry. What if you don't? What if you're running a pure cavalry list, such as Rivendell Knights, Mass Rohan, Harad, or something
2: quirky like that?
3: I'd say if you have no infantry, you'd made a fairly critical error in army selection. But some people (laughs) disagree.
2: I disagree, David. I am some people. I think at that point, you better hope that you've got some way to split the opponent up, which is almost always done with bow fire.
1: And that is the one thing that all of those armies you just mentioned have, Kylie. Mass yes. bow fire.
2: So the aim of the bow fire is to get as many shots as you can while the opponent actually can't hit you back at all. So you maneuver, you use your superior maneuverability to make sure that you're out just out of range of their bowmen and then maybe you're taking on just their front rank or just their flanks. And then you're forcing the opponent to have to initiate the combat. They have to charge you, they have to run at you. And once infantry is running at cavalry, it's all cavalry, you've suddenly got them where you want them because you can manoeuvre around, you can go in circles, you can feint, you can do all kinds of things to get around it and that's, it's through the bowfire. If you lose that bowfire or if you get outshot, you're in a bit of trouble.
1: And that's why I don't think I've ever seen like full mounted swan knights or full sons of Aeol or anything like that that just doesn't have that range of weaponry.
3: Because again, if you're playing it as a kiting army, then the extra movement is going to allow you to do that better than your kiting infantry army. So it's, Whatever your army was going to do, the extra move gives you more of it.
1: Yeah, just more shots, really. Yeah. Even, more if, shots. even if you have less bows than you otherwise might have, still more shots because you've got more turns of backing away and, and, and pulling your opponent apart and forcing them to move where they don't necessarily want to move.
0: And
3: at half speed, you're still moving at pretty much the same speed
1: they are.
0: Yep. So we've talked about their strengths. How do you deal with cavalry? What are their vulnerabilities and
1: what can you do to exploit them? I think the most important thing, if you've got an all-infantry army, is to ensure that you're sticking together. As we've pointed out, pulling your opponent's army apart with cavalry is a hugely important tactic. If you keep your army together, you're already at an advantage because you're not allowing them to do that. So target a particular part of their army that you want to try and attack with your infantry. March at them. Go straight at one spot. Particularly a hero I find is a good idea because your opponent will rally around a hero if they feel like they're going to be charged by infantry.
3: I'd say it depends entirely on the set of the board or whatever. Because if you've got a fair bit of terrain, then you can try and use that to pin them against terrain. Stay together as much as possible. Every now and then though, if you look at the board and go, we're just going to be running donuts around this thing, you might have to split. That's what the cavalry wants you to do. But if it's your only way to catch them, then it's your only chance to actually get it into combat. In which case, being in a bad position is better than being in a terrible position. Because I've seen people who didn't split their army and then never had a chance to actually engage. So if
1: they had split, it would have put them at a disadvantage, but they would have at least got to fight it out. Yeah, that's a great point. If, if your opponent has full cavalry and is really good at what they're doing, you're going to have a hard time no matter what. You've got to maximize your chances and in that case probably yeah split off part yeah. of your army. you're gonna have box in. you're gonna have to take a risk
0: yeah play the objective too and use terrain to leap frog almost leapfrog while you're splitting up so you you kind of create these like pockets of defense that you can kind of fall back to at the same time so yeah you're putting yourself in a disadvantage but you can sort of cover that disadvantage by using the strength of terrain and other parts of the board
3: the other question is how much shooting did you bring with you because I always have some shooting in an army just so we can try and pick off a hero on a horse. Because once, once he's on foot, then you can draw a bead on his head and your infantry rushes him. In. Particularly the, the
0: enemy leader, if the enemy leader is mounted in a full, well, obviously it will be, in a full mounted army, knocking out their leader's horse, like Aragorn's horse, Gothmog's horse, Théoden's, Aemir's, any one of their horses, suddenly that leader who's worth victory points is in the open and the cavalry are going to have to come in and rally around it.
1: Yep, and then you've got a fantastic at- target to send your entire army out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Attack something that they have to
3: defend
0: and the enemy will defend it. You took all my points, they were amazing, well done. <laughs> So quickly touching on... We sort of touched on terrain just then as well. How does terrain factor in with cavalry? What terrain do they like? What terrain don't they like? How do you use it to your advantage? How do you use it to prevent cavalry from using it from their advantage?
3: Okay, so we'll start with, say, difficult terrain. Cavalry do not like it. It takes away all their wonderful special rules, unless you have a special rule that said otherwise, and it really slows them down. So it takes away every benefit that being cavalry provides. So, if you can get enemy cavalry into your standard forest, providing they're not woodland creature or rocky outcrop, providing they don't have, ignore rocky outcrops or whatever, then you've got them right where you want them.
2: Mountain dweller is the word you're looking for.
3: I don't think there's currently any cavalry with mountain dweller, but who knows? There there may
2: be some in the future. There's some that I think are pretty solid chance of being mountain
1: dwellers. Mm -hmm. So, we shall wait and see. Ooh, imagine if they got the re roll for jumping over obstacles as well. Is that what mountain dwellers have or is that just goblins? Yes,
2: they get to. mountain
0: dweller also allows you to reroll um jump
2: tests.
1: Ooh, that could be really nice. I think climb test as well. Ooh. Well, I don't think cavalry can climb. I thought that
2: yeah. was cave dweller, but either way. Cave dweller is re the jump test. I'm not sure about mountain dweller, but anyway. I actually I think plus one jumping. Cave cave dweller is plus one. Oh. Mountain dweller is re Yep, easy. There you go sounds good so yeah you use the terrain on the flip side if you ever see infantry like legging it through a shallow stream your cavalry as a cavalry model you, your eyes light up because you go right I can knock them down and if they survive they have to then take a, a drowning test to see if they die and if they're wearing heavy armor and a shield pretty much 5050 they're gonna drown
1: yeah don't this, don't enter streams against cavalry <laughs> more heroes drown
3: idea. than really should do it's just ah oh. When your hero goes anywhere near the water, something will come out of nowhere, like an eagle will just drop out of the sky. It doesn't matter if you're playing against Gundabad orcs, an eagle will come out of the sky and knock your hero over in the water. And they will drown.
1: Yes. 100% of the time.
0: It's been One proven. model I did just remember that has a rule that allows them to ignore rocky outcrops is Fimble. He ignores all difficult terrain, even whilst mounted.
3: All difficult terrain.
0: Yes, Very
2: all nice. difficult terrain. Yeah, then that's actually a really good point playing Fimble because that's he surprises infantry players quite a bit because the, all these tactics we've just talked about, they're actually gone against him. He can go in and he's strong enough that he can pick off things pretty easily. So I've had him like charge through and, and pick out unsupported banners and things like that and shaman. And Surprise,
0: 5-5 five five in your face.
1: Yeah, I just went through the woods. Too bad. We talked about prioritising heroes. That is definitely one you want to prioritise, right? shooting his warg out. Uh, his wild be, goes yeah. so Although it quickly. can be
0: pretty difficult sometimes. Yeah, it can be, yeah. Especially when you add terrain and
1: stuff in there. Because yeah, he doesn't even need to see oh, you to charge you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's
3: difficult terrain. That's shallow water, because cavalry ignore all the downsides of shallow water and get to add the drown special strike to their repertoire. Um, <laughs> what else? We've got
1: obstacles, barriers, things to take cover behind. Yeah, as a cavalry player, you definitely don't want to be charging over an, an obstacle. Not, not, never, never want to be doing that because you lose everything. You lose every advantage that you had.
3: I think nobody wants to attack over obstacles. It's just, if the enemy is defending a place, find a way to, you know, I don't know, get them out of there that doesn't involve a frontal assault. So go round, take them in the flank, outshoot them, I don't know, detonate your demolition charge in front of them. Just do something <laughs> to get them out of there.
0: Nice, nice. Now, since we've kind of gone through all the pros and cons of cap, I want to get some more personal opinions and little slights of hands and tricks you guys have. So I want to go around the table and figure out what's your favorite Cavalry or moment from using Cavalry. And if you have a little trick that ties in with that, like a little handy, little probably not known or seen at first glance. So, Matt.
1: Okay, all right. I- I'm going to talk about the full spread Rohan archery fully spread out right across the board against an opponent's shield wall and just shoot them for days and days and days. If they have a spellcaster, make sure they don't have an angle, particularly something like a Sorceress Blast. Make sure they cannot knock out more than two of your cavalry with a single Sorceress Blast. If you can achieve that, you're at a massive advantage because their main tactic of delaying you and of you know taking out a number of your models at once and preventing you from doing what you want to do as a cavalry unit is gone. They can't do as much as they would like to do in one shot. So I think the full spread archery cavalry is a very powerful tactic. We talked about it before, you know, full cavalry armies tend to have a ton of archery. They've got either the uh, the Rohirrim, with, everyone can take archery if they want to, except for Erkenbrand. You've got your uh, Rangers of the North, again, everyone can take archery. Uh, you've got the Haradrim, half of them can take archery, and you can get a lot of them, they're very cheap. I'm pretty sure the raiders come in at 11 base.
0: 12 with bow.
1: 12 with bow and another point for a lance. Is that right? a spear? I mm-hmm. should say? So, yeah, just fully spreading out, forcing your opponent to come to you and then hitting them all at once. Just smash everything into them in a single turn. That's the way to play our, our cavalry with archery, in my opinion.
3: Okay, um, I'll go on to the cavalry with infantry option. If you're taking a shield wall, always invest in, say, just... Two cavalry models, one or two. Uh, these fulfill a huge number of different roles and they're pretty much there for versatility. So if the enemy comes around with, say, five or six cavalry, which is not too uncommon to see, they, with a couple of infantry, cavalry on cavalry, blunts all of the enemy's advantages and your two guys can pretty much hold up the six or seven with a couple of spearmen behind your guys. They're, they really come to shine, however, when there's just targets of opportunity and you're like, oh 10 inches, go. I've got a lance, I'm on the charge, Let's let's kill something. However, this is the trick. If you have somebody who has a compel or a sorcerer's blast or transfix, anything like that, if you've got a wizard, the enemy is going to be holding on to their will. Because once they close into combat, they know that's when it's important. That's when it's time to use the will. So at 10, 12 inches away, if you compel them, they're not going to resist unless you have a knight. And you say, if I compel you forwards, you're within my knight's charge range. And then the enemy has to go, hmm, I might spin this will at, you know, 12 inches away even though, because if I don't, I'm taking a lance strike to the face. So if you've ever got a wizard, make sure you bring at least one cavalry model just to extend that threat range. Just pull Will off people.
1: Yeah, that's a really great point, actually, because that's what, uh, you can be 13 inches away and they're in significant threat. Yes.
3: Yeah. Um, I think the best time I used it was against Legolas. Um, Aragorn had called a march, so Legolas's move was significantly higher than it could have been. And I'm like, I can pull you forwards. You'll be in water when I hit you with my knight. And that particular knight was a little guard, so he had a stun on him. So I'm, I can stun you and put you in the water, and you'll be stunned and drowning. And then my <laughs> infantry will close upon you. Do you wish to resist? So Legolas burnt all his will, and I was able to clean him up once I actually got into combat with my infantry. Yeah,
1: there you go.
2: Very solid. My favourite at the moment is with the... what well, we talked about with Fimble. But with the rest of the, the Hunter orc cavalry, you get a special rule with the fell sight where you don't actually have to have line of sight to charge. Now, this has basically two uses. One, you can basically hide them behind terrain and then ambush people. So that's really nice to put like a single wag rider or two wag riders behind a building and just let them their guarding space wait till the enemy forgets about them. Then go around and charge their back or, or pick them off or run through their lines. But it also means that sometimes when you have a cavalry charge, you charge your little infantry block. You can't actually, once you've done the first charge or the second charge, you can't actually see the models because your cavalry blocks them off. So you take the line of sight and you can't get to the back, you can't get to their banner or whatever you really wanted to get into. These ones totally overrule it. So you can go around and make sure you hit every single person in that little block. And I find it works really well with the infantry supporting because you can set up these charges that are basically impossible to ignore. It's really good, great for elven cloaks things like that, because normally elven cloaks are a fantastic defense against cavalry. You sit up in the forest, you put your elven cloak on, they can't charge you because they've got to be within six inches. When they charge you, they go into difficult terrain. You've got Fimble, you've got the guys who can ignore the, the line of sight. You're doing pretty well. Does that work on the ring as well? I th- think you still have to take a courage test for the ring offhand, mm, but I'm okay. not sure about that. The ring's not line of sight now. Ring's... Yeah, it's the courage yeah. test, isn't it? Yeah, so ring's the courage different. test. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. affect courage tests.
3: So yeah, bodyguard can charge, foul sight cannot. Well, Hellsight yeah. needs
1: to test. <laughs> for some reason.
0: <laughs> well, my favorite little trick with cavalry, a little strategy thing that I find quite particularly useful is the dismounting of a horse. Now, it might seem kind of weird that the trick I'm talking about is sacrificing pretty much all the advantage of being cavalry, but it is a one-time, one-use-only, amazables like, can-win-you-the-game kind of deal. i got two examples for this. Uh, the first example is... Last turn of the game, both sides knew that we're going to get quartered this turn, kind of like one, two models left, and there's stuff that can really dish out damage, so we know this is going to be the last turn. And you're just not quite in range of an objective marker. Well good for you you can dismount so you can actually move your full 10 inches and then dismount off your horse when you dismount off your horse you place the newly dismounted model in base contact with the horse then remove the horse so you can get this cheeky little one inch move from your horse that can really catch people off guard so you can use it to jump on an objective that they thought otherwise would think that they're out of range that you're out of range of or even get a ch- sneaky little charge off So move the 10 inches jump off the horse and get into combat and it can really catch people off guard they're sitting at 10 and a half inches away thinking they can't charge me and then you move nine and a half jump off the horse and suddenly you're in Very other nice. one that i really like is primarily works best with heroes and the example i'm going to use here is aragorn so i had aragorn the king he went into combat to kill some Murakai, killed a couple of urukai for horror- combat and wanted to move into Saruman, but my opponent had cleverly moved one urukai just far enough that Aragorn couldn't fit through the gap. But Aragorn is on horse, not on foot. So he dismounts off his horse, moving himself just a little bit closer, and then because his infantry base is smaller than his cavalry base, can move through the gap, sneak into Saruman, and chop off his head. So the base dynamics between the the 40 mil and a 25 can be pretty big if you if you are looking at them closely and it can give you a really cool advantage when someone might not be expecting it.
1: Yes, yeah, so I've I've used this trick as well with uh Gothmog just to keep him alive once, to be honest. It was uh snuck him through a piece of terrain after dismounting so that my opponent couldn't get to him and obviously not get the VPs and win me the game at the end of it. So it's it's very situational, but it can win you games. It absolutely can. It's a great trick. I used that one once to get the crushing
3: win because the enemy held one last objective marker in domination. My last knight was just a bit too far away, so he dismounted to get the extra range, brought that objective to a draw, scored no VPs.
0: Nicely done. Before we finish up, uh, I want to go around the table and ask everyone what is their favorite cavalry mod in the game? It can be for any arbitrary reason, it can be because of. How cool the model looks, how awesome the model's in the game, or a personal experience you've had.
1: Matt? Riders of Rohan. Straight up, best at everything. If you got Urkenbrand, which obviously you do, you can give them fight four. You can give them throwing spears to get that extra range so you can uh, harass as well. And they can all take bows. Just amazing cavalry unit. Okay. The runner-up would
3: be the Citadel Guard Cavalryman because bodyguard on cavalry is amazing. Bodyguard on anybody is amazing. Get maximum bodyguard. Winner would have to be the Elven Knights from Rivendell. They look amazing. They've got lances. They've got bows. They've got shields. They've got everything. Take lots of those guys.
2: Aesthetically, I actually really like the Harrod Cavalry, the the plastic box set of them. I think they look really nice. They're imposing. They still got the wicker armor and and things like that, but I, I quite like them. And because they don't have the top heavy model, on top of the cavalry model, you can actually put them on there and they stay on their base reasonably well, unlike some cavalry models.
1: <laughs> what do you think about uh, the plastic Haradrim cavalry compared to the old metal ones? Uh,
2: I've got like 12 of the old metal ones. i actually got quite a bit. I've never put them together. I've never really <laughs> felt the need yeah. to do that because I really do like the plastic ones. And if anything, I want to make the metal ones look a bit more like the plastic ones. So I'm going to be about whether I just put some plastic horses on them and put the metal ones on the plastic horses or... What I do about that? I'll put them together. I'll probably make them a, a different squad, an Outrider squad or something like that. But the, the plastic ones were significantly better, I believe. Cool.
0: All right. So, my favorite aesthetically pleasing model, like the one that I love the pose of, is actually the Rohan Royal Guard. I think they, they look really, really, really nice. They've aged really well, I think, these, these cavalry models. And I'm really, 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 really like them. I also like the Sons of El, but I think they're a bit too much over the top. But I feel that we should mention Sons of Val since this is a cavalry episode and the, them being the best cavalry in the game. But my actual vote for my favourite cavalry out of all the cavalry is the Knights of the because I owe a lot of games. I even owe tournament wins to these models. These, they have never... Ever, in any game I have ever played, let me down. They have always done the job I've needed to and it stepped up when I, when I wasn't expecting them to or thought a game was lost. They have turn games. They are amazing. And once you throw Imrahil in there, they become god tier. So yeah.
3: That 12-inch banner.
0: The 12-inch oh, banner. 12-inch banner. <laughs> the fight four with lances. Defense six. Armored horses. So their horses don't usually get shot out. Courage four. I mean, the only thing they don't have is a bow and everything else they've got.
2: You put Prince Imhero on your list of models that need a tweak for the next edition, didn't you, in that previous episode? Yes. Yes, I thought so. Yes. Good, good, good. Good. The
0: banner should be nerfed to six inches. I thought it was is... a throwing lance. The please. twelve <laughs> inch <laughs>
1: That's that's where I thought we were going with that. The I'm twelve inch arrogant.
0: banner is ludicrous. But you good, know, good. as whilst, long as you whilst, know it is, that's fine. Whilst that's he has it, it, I will use yeah. it and abuse it to the best of my ability.
1: Just to add in a couple of things we haven't mentioned, Morgul Knights. Pretty great They've got the lances they're, really they're, capture-
0: they're really good at capturing objectives Since you need the terror test to go back into them Not great on a head-on charge But definitely if you need them
2: to clutch an objective
1: Yeah, they're a nice little hit squad, I think mm. uh,
2: The good side has Army of the Dead Which do a similar role as yep. well With the terror and the, the ability to, to and run away, So
1: they're way harder to get rid of And they hit really hard as well, obviously Blades of the Dead you,
2: you
0: team them up with a Ranger of the North And they become the lethal
1: mm. Uh, finally, I think Mahud, Camelry.
0: Camelry, I, I was tempted to go with Camry, but I couldn't, I couldn't pass up my beloved Delance or Delamroth. The Camels have a really cool mechanic with their Impaler that I really love, but it can screw you over as much as they can give you advantages. I
3: don't know, inflicting a lot of strength for hits on enemies seems like a good thing.
2: Yeah, but sometimes you kill the one you charge and then you're out in the open. Yeah, I've, I once tried to set up a, uh, um,
0: Slingshot. Combat? Yeah, heroic combat, and accidentally uh, killed my uh, the, the model hours going to slingshot off, and
1: couldn't you just pretend he was still alive and do the heroic combat anyway?
0: No, unfortunately, <laughs> I I did not. And you can't cheat. Might,
1: You can't mite down in Paler anymore. So, <laughs> I'm I'm imagining a uh, was it weekend at Bernie situation? Oh no, he's he's still he's still okay. He's all right. Let's just do the heroic combat. It'll be fine.
0: And. Mogu well, Marauders are also another unit we did, oh, yeah, which are pretty Marauders. good. They're, yeah. I think, what I think the thing that they provide differently to all the other cover we've mentioned is they're really tanky. Like we talk, we talked about um, Black Numenorean Mogul Knights and Army of the Dead being tanky. These guys take it to a next level. They're like four, three wounds or something like that. Ludicrous. I think it's four wounds.
1: I, is it four or three? I think it might be three, but we have a robot. It's definitely three. Attacks. We can
0: find out. It is, it is... We have the technology. It is three wounds. Three wounds, three, three wounds, attacks, depends, terror. Yeah, not Lots. bad, not
1: bad. Can shoot Even while whilst moving,
0: yeah. yeah. It's, they're, they're pretty ludicrous.
3: When we said cavalry can't go straight to the front of a shield wall, we weren't
0: talking about these guys. These guys are just the, These guys can, can do, can do it. it. These guys can do it. They've got the attacks and the wounds to do it. Well, thank you guys for uh, joining me here on another episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. And remember everyone, Trap Swing Games.
2: Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.